everybody is figuring it out. That's really important to remember. I promise you there is no one out there who has the perfect, 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 perfect plan. Even if they think it's perfect, they're still not sure. Welcome to Third Culture Africans, the lifestyle podcast for dreamers, thinkers, and doers. We celebrate artistry, share stories from those brave enough to create something and succeed, listen to diverse perspectives on African success, and those shifting the needle on culture. I'm Zezo Ariaki Sal, your host. This week on Third Culture Africans, my guest is Afua Ose of She Leads Africa, Slay Festival, and AfuaOse.com. She is a believer in her ability, a great listener, and I would say someone who has spent the time observing and listening to her inner voice. She lives in service of the women that she serves through she leads Africa Slave Festival and afiosay.com and she has the most infectious can-do ability. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did sitting down with Afua and her infectious inspirational outlook on life. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Third Culture Africans, Afia. We've got Afia Osei of She Leads Africa, Slave Festival, and AfiaOsei.com, if I've said all of that right. Yes, you said everything. That's my whole life story. So, hey, what's up, everybody? Hey. So, we are hoping to successfully record this episode as Afia lives in Lagos, and we are recording this with... Nigerian internet permitting. Yes, so prayers are in order. Fantastic. I guess we can just jump right into it. Our meeting was actually digital prior to it being in person. And this was, I want to say 2016 or before that, maybe 2015. And you guys reached out to speak at the She Leads Africa that you guys were hosting in London at Facebook. So it's been a while. And I think we haven't had that much in terms of catching up. So it's a great episode to do that, actually, because then you'll also be filling me in on what you've been up to. And I know on social media, you're very active. And we can talk about, I guess, the transition from early career into becoming your own kind of entrepreneur and dictating that in the way that you are doing quite uniquely. And then I guess circling background into all the achievements and things like that. But I think She Leads Africa was my first introduction to you and Yasmin at the time. And you both were putting on this event for She Leads Africa in London. And it was at the Facebook offices. And we got chatting and talking a little bit more about the idea. And I guess She Leads Africa at the time was somewhere in its early days, if I'm right to say that, but pulling great responses from, you know, being able to host at Facebook offices, etc. Yeah, I think that in my mind, though, like we're still in the early stages, but that was a really fun time for us because we were just trying to see if this thing would work if people were interested in it. And I think that that London event was really a breakthrough for us because the beauty of it was that we were in a city where nobody on our team lived, nobody knew anybody, and we just wanted to test and see could this brand get traction? Would people be interested in us? Would they trust the experience? Could we demonstrate legitimacy and have people show out? And 
it was incredible, the number of people that came, the energy, the excitement. And so we're so grateful to London and to all of our wonderful speakers like yourselves who kind of just said, hey, I see what these people are doing and I want to be a part of it and I want to show support. And we're always so grateful of everybody who does that in every single city that we go to. So just to give, I guess, our listeners who don't know what She Leads Africa is, I guess a nice clear picture of what that business is in your words. Sure. She Leads Africa is a digital media platform that helps young African women achieve their professional dream. Our vision is to connect women with the resources and the opportunities they need to find success however they define it. And that's really important because there are so many people who are telling women what to do, right? There's culture, mm-hmm. there's tradition, there's heritage, there's your family, there's your friends, there's media, there's religion. There's so many influences that can kind of seep in and can tell and can have people feeling stuck yeah. and feeling like they don't know where they are, how they fit. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's next for them. And particularly with this generation of millennial women trying to do something different. We're trying to break free. We're trying to be unique. We're trying to reach new grounds. And so we wanted to create a space and a community where women felt that they could go out there and do whatever it is that they needed to do. And separate from the inspiration, also access to the information to say, hey, great, you have that aspiration. Here's what you need in order to achieve it and providing that practical information. We do this and we communicate to our community members via our digital content. That's where most people will see us, either on Instagram, email, or video, or our website. And then we host events all across the continent in the diaspora as well. And this is reaching about 600,000 people across 100 plus countries. Am I right? It is. And so I can't wait for it to get into the millions. We're working really hard to make that happen very soon. We've just been so overwhelmed by the level of interest and excitement from Johannesburg to London to Toronto to Nairobi to Lagos to Accra. People are saying, hey, like I want to be a part of a community and have this connection to other women who are like me who get me, who understand what I'm going through, and who I can learn and grow with as well. This podcast is sponsored by Malay Natural Science. Malay's products are inspired by the rich landscapes, alluring scents, and ancient wisdom of Africa. Their luxurious fragrance and body care range balances 100% natural active ingredients and scientifically proven formulas to heal, protect, and pamper your skin. Malay ships worldwide and you can buy their products at maleeonline.com. They also offer a free sample if you'd like to try. So would that be the birthplace or the starting point of then Slave Festival? And by the way, I love the name Slave Festival. Thank you. Thank you. You know, some of the grown-ups don't really get it, but we're like, you know, it's cool. You'll just carry along. And so <laughs> what we did is that, you know, we started off, of course, with some really like smaller events just to test our capacity and whatnot. But what we saw is that that community building element is so important and people want to be connected. And I think secondly to that, we also saw that business and career does not have to be boring. You do not have to be stuffy. You don't have to wear a suit. You don't have to be someone that you're not in order to be a reliable and legitimate entrepreneur or career professional. And part of our work is to really break that idea that, young people aren't professional and to break that idea that it has to look a certain way. So we're like, you know, what if we created a space which was the exact opposite of a traditional conference? We're like, first of all, don't come in a suit, no heels allowed, 
right? It's going to be on grass. We're going to have a bouncy castle. We're going to have a loud music. We're going to have cocktails. We're going to have makeup stands. It's going to be a fun vibe and a fun environment. But we're also going to talk about real issues. You're going to build your network. You're going to connect the potential employers. You're going to get investment advice. You're going to talk to mentors. You're going to talk to experts. So we wanted to create this experience, and it's been incredible. We've been doing it since 2017. We're excited to take it to Johannesburg for the first time in 2020. We don't want to follow anybody else's blueprint. We want to learn, of course, learn from them. But say, how do we create something that honestly and truly reflects the women that we're trying to serve in our community? So that's where Slate Festival came from. Like, it's like an offline experience from what you're getting online from the brand. I always say that with everyone that is on the show, what I find interesting is that our businesses aren't just businesses. All of our businesses have a wider purpose to our communities. And you just touched on the women that you serve, which kind of brings me to wanting to circle back into early Afria. So unlike myself, who was born in Africa, and then my third cultures come from then on, your parents are Ghanaian and you were born in D.C. Yes. And now I live in Nigeria. Were you conscious of your heritage to start off with? How did that all begin? And I guess for me, it's to try and touch on how do you evolve into this version of you that's super passionate about women and Africa and them in leadership? And dare I say it, a, a millennial feminist. So I think growing up, I wasn't aware that I wasn't African, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got a bit older that I realized that, okay, maybe I'm not as African as other people. Or I learned that there was like a metric or a rubric that people were evaluating people against. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, wow, I'm failing this exam that I didn't even know I was taking. So I think, of course, like I grew up and like, you eat rice balls on Sundays. And of course, my parents speak to you. And eat and, and everything and else. Things. Yeah, like it was always part of my life, but I also grew up as a black girl in America and mm-hmm. I, I was a cheerleader in school and I had a lot of multicultural friends, like people from Bangladesh, mm-hmm. people from India, people from the Caribbean. So it was never a thing that I'd never felt as different. Like, of course, my name is different. I always mm-hmm. knew that my family was going to be in. My name is different. Maybe some of the foods that we ate at home were a bit different, but I grew up in a really diverse community. So I never thought that I felt that I was off in some way. It didn't really happen until... I competed in a pageant, a beauty pageant, and I won Miss Ghana USA. Go girl. It was quite fun. <laughs> it, was quite, it was a long time ago. I cannot fit into those clothes anymore. But when I went to Ghana for like some of the pageant duties, people were like, they were trying to check me on my level of Ghanaian. Oh, wow. Which I think that many people who, if you don't grow up on the continent, can be something that you feel as if people are judging and evaluating your authenticity. That's like a common thing with third culture kids, right? We are what everything, but not enough or not enough of what we are, depending on where we are. So in America, you're probably not African-American enough and vice versa in Ghana. And yet that interesting combination has made for a human who sees life very differently to someone who's never left or didn't have these clash of cultures in their experience. I definitely felt it, and I, I think I feel it more now 
I feel it much more now that I've left the States. I've been living in Lagos now for seven years, mm. which is really wild. And so what I've told people is that, you know, I grew up as a black girl in America. But now when I go back, I do feel a bit different. And it's very weird because it's like, these are my people. Like, this right here is me. It's my life. But because I have been removed and my experiences have been so different, I don't know how to explain it. It's something that I definitely am working on and I'm thinking about. And just saying that, okay, when I go into spaces, it maybe it's all in my head. I don't know. Maybe I'm presenting the same, but I do feel a bit different since I have left and I live somewhere else. I think with me, I always refer to it as when someone says, where's home? And perhaps maybe that's the question now that you're starting to kind of think about. I grew up with a father who had several expat jobs. So home for me was kind of defined to, I guess, where all of us lived, wherever that was. And usually now I say it's the place where I've spent most of my life and I kind of keep it at that. And even then I'm not married to the idea of where home is either. And it sounds like the same as you now, like you could have chosen Ghana, but we'll get to sort of your entry into Nigeria a little later in the episode. But you have always been somewhat of a trailblazer. Cum laude, you designed your own major, which I thought was like, I read it and I was like, yeah, that is Afia. Like, <laughs> if, any, if anyone was going to do that, it will be you. And I think you've always been so unapologetic about being yourself. And I guess coming from the African Black girl in America space and having the opportunity to be in. I guess, seeing yourself globally from such a young age, going through university and studying political science, and then taking that and working, you know, for Michelle Obama. I'm interested in knowing more about that. I actually didn't know the bit about Michelle Obama. What I think is most interesting is that I've always just been trying to do my own thing. And it just evolved into this. And like literally every single step of the way, it's just been doing my own thing. Did you have a plan in the early days? I promise you the plan was not to live in Nigeria. That, like, there's no way that would have ever, no way that would have ever into the plan. So I think what it is is that I've always been like, okay, I want to do cool things. I've always had a passion and interest for community. Initially, that was in a politics and a public service kind of way. And then as I learned more and as I explored more, I saw the power of doing that via business, which is how I ended up going to business school, becoming a consultant, moving to Nigeria. But it's always been like, I want to do something interesting that also like makes an impact, helps people, does something tangible. My mother's really great when it comes to community and helping people. And that just has been always part of us. I couldn't imagine doing something that was exceptionally self-centered. I can't imagine what that would look like. I don't know if I have the range. I don't think I have it in me. And it's also, it's always been like, you know what, let's go do something cool. And that was the only metric that I was looking at and how I was evaluating opportunities or evaluating new things like, oh, is this cool? Is this interesting? Is it going to make an impact in some kind of way? And if the answer was yes, then I would leave. And the, the wild thing about me that maybe, I don't know if I'm ever going to learn, I doubt it, but I take a lot of leaps and I'm really good at making decisions. Like I make a decision and I go. And then I'm like, well, I'm in it. So I'm going to just work it out. Here's sometimes that I'm like, wow, I decided to go do this thing. But, you know, it's okay because my students have never failed me before. God has never let me down beforehand. So it's like, it's going to work out. It's going to make sense. But I'm, I'm a leap 
and figure it out later kind of person. Do you feel like you get that from either of your parents, perhaps? No, I don't know where it comes from because anybody who knows Ghanaians knows they're like pretty conservative, very chill, very low key. It's, it wasn't until I got a bit older, and I think maybe it was living in Lagos for the amount of time I've lived in, when we really think about what it means to be an immigrant. And I don't know if many of us have really thought about if your parents decided to leave every single thing that they knew. And, you know, back then, I mean, flights are expensive, but like back then, they didn't have Skype, they didn't have WhatsApp. They weren't going to see their family for five years sometimes, like where they had to save up a lot of money to be able to go back home and to think about what that means to be able to leap like that and to create an entire new life. And so if you keep that in perspective, like in perspective, excuse me, it's like nothing I'm doing is that exceptional. But I guess perhaps they would remind you, right? Like all African parents, do you know what it is I've had to do to get here? <laughs> yeah, those ones, I don't even listen to them again. Basically, I mean, my parents are talking about walking. I'd be like, well, you shouldn't have been walking. I don't even listen to those kind of things <laughs> anymore. But it is kind of wild. Like some of those things you're like, whoa, I did, would I have been able to make it? I don't know. Sometimes I think like if I was born in a different environment, if I was born in a different time, if I was born in the 50s and the 60s, living in a small town in Ghana or Nigeria or South Africa, would I have been able to do this kind of thing? I don't know. It requires a lot of extraordinary strength, ingenuity, creativity to make it work. And I think they were blessed to have parents and family members like that. And I wish that sometimes we took it from that perspective. So you briefly touched on going to business school. And usually I think in the early days before you start a business and when you're sort of consuming content, to kind of either build up the courage or the confidence, and especially because of the work you do with She Leads Africa. I find your reason for going to business school quite hilarious because it was because of a boy. Be careful, these men are out here. I went to business school as well. And I wouldn't say it prepared me for what I've been able to achieve in business. But what it did do was give me the confidence to attempt my business. Would you say the same for you? Because your choice in doing it was a real pivot for you from political science to now what you do. That's a really interesting question. Maybe it's not confidence, but I do think it normalized it. I think that it normalized having a business, doing bigger deals, having, you know, global connections, things like that. And that's not something that I saw or I was exposed to growing up. I knew a lot of people in politics, you know, even people in the health world, but knowing people who were doing really big business, I didn't have that kind of exposure. So business school introduced me to people who were going to Aspen for the weekend. And I was like, what? You like, you can just go to a ski resort and just do that and people do the Kentucky Derby. And I'm like, you all's lifestyle is so different from mine. So I think that what it did is it showed me that there are so many more options out there. And I definitely think that I wish that younger women in school would see that there are so many options in the business world has so many opportunities. Definitely it's going to be challenging. Definitely you may struggle at some point, but there's so many different things. And so business school showed me the range of what was really possible and said, you know what, of course I can do it because these people are not any smarter than me. These people don't even have sense. Like all they do is drink every day. (laughs) I could do this kind of job. And so that kind of exposure and showing the options was really important. It didn't seem that weird. It didn't seem that different. Because I said, you know what, now I'm in a space where I know more people who've done this kind of thing. I've seen what it looks like. 
and I have the context for what it means to be able to do it, which I think is the reason why exposure is so important because it doesn't have to seem like a big deal and it should not become a big thing. Like you shouldn't be so stressed to be able to go and take a leap like that. And you typically won't if you've seen other people do it. So pivot from that and then you go into McKinsey. Yeah, I had the time of my life. And that's the job that then sort of takes you to Africa. Yes, I'm so grateful to the entire, you know, McKinsey Africa team. I had a really great time working there. Anybody who wants like a fast track into understanding how African business works, getting a consultant job is in some way, shape or form a mini MBA experience. Doing that consulting work is really thinking strategically, critically, learning how to be a much more structured and organized business professional connecting with senior business executives. It was an absolutely great experience. And it was the best kind of landing pad that I could have had when it came to just coming and moving to the continent. It can be scary. It can be overwhelming to be like, whoa, I got to move my entire life. I got to understand how things work here. I got to get organized. And thankfully, I was able to get into a system that already had things already put in place. So it was a bit of a soft landing for me. How do you go from that though? So the job security to having the time of your life in that role to deciding, hey, I'm ready for my next leap. I told you, I just be making decisions that don't have no sense, right? I just be, <laughs> I just be saying, yeah, let's do it. And then I have to figure out the decisions afterwards. Like what you believe about yourself and your skill set will really determine how far that you can go oh. and how willing you are to take a leap. So part of me being able to leave a a very secure job was an understanding and a faith that, of course, I'm going to be fine. Of course, this is going to be successful. Why wouldn't it be? You didn't didn't read any statistics about business? I don't know them. I don't know those people. Yeah, I don't know them at all. I think that, you know, we definitely, of course, be realistic and we should be prepared. But I didn't want to go into it and I don't go into things with a scared mindset, with a scared mm. perspective. I don't yeah. know the exact opposite of faith and that's the exact opposite of belief. And I don't want that kind of energy yeah. swimming around in my head. So of course, beforehand, I definitely was prepared, saved money yes. for almost a year to make sure that I had it. Mm. But part of what it is is that, you know, I trusted in myself. I trusted in my partner. I trusted mm-hmm. that, you know, in any way, shape or form, this is going to be something, uh-huh. you know, who knows the version that you're seeing in 2020 is much different than the version from 2014 or even the version that I had as an idea in 2012. Uh-huh. It continues to evolve and grow. We tried enough to figure it out. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm still going to have my degrees. I'm still uh-huh. going to be a smart person. If need be, I could just go and get another job. Uh-huh. Failure is not going to ruin me and it's not going uh-huh. to kill me. So I just was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's figure it out. In that process of figuring it out, you went from Afia, the consultant, to one of Forbes Africa's youngest power women, speaking at TEDx Houston, Ventures Africa, becoming one of the top 25 innovators to watch, being featured on CNBC, CNN, Huffington Post, and the list goes on. And through that, you have been able, and I remember us having conversations around, you know, how you evolve within business. 
and how She Leads Africa as the initial idea was evolving into something else, being a digital media business with purpose, which was not the initial idea when you first started in its entirety. Anybody who's on this journey, it's like your audience, your community, your customers have to be front and center for you at all times. And what we saw is that we kept getting a lot of requests from different places all across the continent in the diaspora. And flights are expensive. Like I need these airlines to figure it out, but it's so challenging to get across and move across the continent. And we just said that if we want to be an affordable platform, if we want to be able to connect to millennial African women, we won't be able to charge $1,000. And there are, of course, there are other companies and other markets that do similar things to us. And it's like the way that the, their price points and the way that they can structure is just so different. And we're like, we don't have that leeway. It's because of the economic structure of our market. So we said, what else can we do to figure it out? And that's where the digital side really came through. We said, we want to be able to offer something of quality. We want to offer this connectivity, this experience, but it needs to be affordable. It needs to be accessible. So that evolution has definitely been driven by just paying attention and listening and figuring out how can we be a better service to our community and how can we better create something that works for them and what they're trying to achieve. When I think about like the beauty of like being on a journey and like paying attention to where God is trying to direct you is that I've always been a communications and a media person. Yeah. Because even when I worked in politics, I was doing communications and I've always been really great at storytelling. So now that I have an ability to run a company that is a storytelling and communications business, it's like, wow, look at God. He's the one that brought me here. And it wasn't, yeah. it's like I magically found my way here. And it's, it's really cool. And no experience is ever wasted. I think I was having this conversation the other day and I remember one of my university and sixth form jobs was working in a retail store. And I remember earning as a part-timer more than full-timers as a cashier. When Aldo Shoes first came to the UK, I got headhunted and I was working there. And when I opened our first Malay store, I remember standing in the store that day and I was closing up the till and the thought just hit me and I thought, how would I have been able to do this if I never worked that job? And as a student, you know, those are memories you look back and you think, oh, you know, I hated the fact that I had to work and some of my peers never had to work. But fast forward so many years later, those skills, however small they are, come to the fore and are things that you just take for granted almost and make your job now as an entrepreneur easier. Sometimes what people tend to forget is the journey before arriving here. You know, you mentioned your business being super young and all of that. Yes, it is. But the time you've put in to hone your skills isn't as young as the business. Absolutely. And what I encourage people, and now that I am an employer, like now that I'm an employer, I just really wish that I could tell people to just be good. Just be good where you are. Do that thing very well because you do not know what that is preparing you for. And you need to build those business skills. There's something about excellence in any job. And that really sets you up for a future. And I guess one of my pet peeves is mediocrity, especially in any job. And then you have people, and you probably get this as well, when someone says, oh, but you know, you are only here because of X. And it's like, actually, no, I'm here because no job was too small and no job was too big. And I gave it 120% every day, 365 days of the year. Yeah, I had a weird turn of events. So we did something in, we took a trip with entrepreneurs to China in 2015. I went and I hosted these entrepreneurs. We went to Hong Kong, we went to Shenzhen. 
Shanghai and Beijing and entrepreneurs were from all across the continent. And then four years later, one of the entrepreneurs that was in that program sent me a message and was like, hey, I'm in this new role in this larger company and I really want to see how we can support you. And I was so surprised that like she even remembered me and she was just like, you know, I loved your energy. You were so kind. You were so thoughtful. And I would love to be able to support what you're doing because I definitely believe in it. And I said, wow, like, so there's some things that you can't plan. You can't even plan about those things. It's just about like every space that you're in. How can we just be of service? How can we be a positive reflection of light? And how can we just do what we're supposed to do? Now, She Leads Africa for me is one of the businesses that I think is a great reference to collaborative work. And in our communities, we get this a lot, which I think is really sad because if you're able to tap into what is out there, there's enough of us that are willing to show up and collaborate. And your business is one of the great examples of that because a lot of that content isn't just written by you or Yasmin, right? It's you have a virtual community of a team. Absolutely. And I think that that's what happens when you try your best to be a platform for others. And I think that what I've learned is that you can shine as well as letting other people shine too. Mm-hmm. And so you don't always have to be upfront. And I personally, people don't believe it, but I'm personally an introvert. And there are many times I want to be kind of behind the scenes and whatnot. And so it's like, how can I use what I have, these skills, this business to help other people grow? And in turn, they will come back and support you. And so that's just been a really great personal life lesson. That's been really good for us. So She Leads Africa is now, I would say, a household name in the millennial. Hi, I would. I think We're not there yet. I think it is. I think amongst entrepreneurial-minded or career-minded millennials, I think for sure on the continent and in the diaspora, you guys come up right? There aren't that many that are out there. So I think you guys are fast becoming a household name that's there to stay. This is another great example of an entrepreneur. And everyone talks about personal branding and seldomly are there sort of active real life examples where you see it in motion. You've been able to do that over the last year, I would say, and committed to it over the last year, if I'm right to say that. And outside of the corporate partnerships with Facebook, Google, Samsung, etc., you've been able to do it not just for your business, but for yourself. I decided to run an experiment to see if it would be, you know, possible to do. And like all these things that I was doing for the business, can I do it for myself as an individual? And but still like keep my personality, still have fun with it. And it's been a really great experience being able to just show from my perspective, what is it like running a business? You know, what is it like running a business? What is it like traveling all the time? What is it like trying to figure it out? Because I don't have it set. I'm still like every day just trying to say, you know, please give me guidance. Yeah. Please help me along this pathway. And so it's been a really incredible piece. And what I try to tell people is that if you are being of value, then people will want to listen to you. Mm -hmm. In every single space, there's a way that we can be of value, that we can support people. Mm -hmm. So what I think is that in my own little way, I'm just telling people, like giving people advice when it comes to like marketing, Mm -hmm. brand building, and of course, running a business. But hopefully also encouraging people to say, yo, like let's keep smiling. Let's keep trying. Let's keep doing our best because 
it's hard work, but it's definitely worth it. I think your honesty is definitely heartwarming, especially for someone who is also an entrepreneur, right? Because I think there's the risk of it always looking glamorous that, you know, you're flying here and you're speaking here, but nobody understands the grind and the hustle and the sacrifices behind the scenes. And in a candid way, you're able to capture that and share that. Absolutely. And what I want to do, though, is make sure that I am being even more real Mm. and being more honest and transparent to let people know that this is what we're working on. And to let people know that you're not alone, you're not trying to figure it out by yourself, that there are other people who support you, and that there are ways that we can come together and hopefully all succeed in our different areas. And this is the part of you who works as a coach to people on afiose.com, right? Yes, kind of, but you know, that's hard. Uh, like that, I'm not able to serve as many people because, you know, I do have like a whole real life. So I try to tell people, I'm like, y'all, I have a whole real life. So I only typically work with about two or three entrepreneurs at a time, you know, outside of my own work. Yeah. But I am always hopeful that the content that I'm putting out on social or the interviews that I'm doing or even podcasts like this can be helpful and can be encouraging to people as well. What Was that born out of the emails that you get from friends of friends who are like, hey, my friend is looking at starting this. Do you mind sitting down and having a chat with them? Because I get probably two of those emails a week. And there's a part of me that would love to be able to help everybody. And, you know, I get the emails about, you know, I'm looking for a mentor, but I personally don't even have the capacity to do that. And so would you say that's something that was born out of those questions or was it something that you kind of felt like, okay, I definitely need this because it's needed in our space? There definitely was a lot of coming from like inbound requests. So messages, anybody who asked me to be their mentor, I automatically say no, because I'm like, y'all, my first responsibility is to the people that I pay on a monthly basis mm. who have decided to put their livelihoods in my hands. And so those are people that I have mentoring at this time. Yep. But just understanding that it's like I do have different gifts and talents and skills that I want to be able to share with others in a format that is sustainable. I don't have any desire of running myself ragged. Yeah. Right? Like this work is already hard enough, mm-hmm. but I do find enjoyment and it is a positive experience for me to be able to connect with people in short set like short spurts of time so it's just really about experimenting and saying hey what's the best way that one i can be true to myself and my personality i can be true to my workload and my travel schedule i can be true to my pre-existing commitments while still being of service to others still trying to figure out that balance but i think this is like a good in between that I've out. This is something that I've touched on on pretty much almost every episode. How do you balance that version to the version of you that is also not a millionaire driving a G-Wagon and posting your God-given blessings on social media in the way that is popularized in our culture? Because the reality of running a business or being able to afford a business class ticket even for me as an entrepreneur, it comes after, like you rightly mentioned, paying staff salaries, paying rent, your next marketing campaign, the next investment within your business. I let everybody know that I'm broke. Like I'm broke, broke. And I think that's maybe part of the normalizing what it means to start a business and to be along this journey is to let people know that it looks differently for everybody. Mm-hmm. But for me and in my house, it looks broke for now. <laughs> So that, you know, I just have to keep it real. 
And be honest about that one. And I think the reality of, I guess, that brokenness, as you mention it, is in varying degrees for everybody, right? But to some extent, your work does sustain your livelihood or is a form of your livelihood. Absolutely. It definitely does. And for me, what's important is I don't want to wait to live my life. Mm. And I don't have a desire to work, 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 work for 30, 40 years, amass this money and then go and enjoy. Mm. No, I want enjoyment on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's also I, the message that I want to show is that we should be prioritizing our life while we are doing this business thing, while we're doing this working hard yeah. kind of thing. We should also just take the time out to make sure that we're having fun and we're enjoying the journey and we're enjoying the process. So that's like, for me, it's like, yeah, I'm traveling, I'm moving around, I'm going up, I'm doing this kind of stuff. Because I also, it's like, my work is important, but it's not my entire life. It's not my entire story. Well, and I want to have the space and the freedom to live free and do other kinds of things. Well said. I think I'm guilty of forgetting that too, right? And it's always, hey, why don't I stack it up for the next thing? Again, there's something about doing things that you enjoy, that bring you joy within this journey of entrepreneurship and, you know, businesses with purpose and your life, you know, career path that has a wider purpose outside of your own selfish desire to see a vision come through. And the podcast for me was very much in line with something that brings me joy. And a lot of my guests are friends. And these are conversations that we have offline, but with nowhere that it's documented for ourselves or even another generation to be able to see or hear how we're doing it in our way and what obstacles and challenges that we are navigating. For any chosen path, there is always an opportunity cost. Nonetheless, regardless of what that opportunity cost is, for every guest and including yourself, I think you're able to find from that your wider goal, which is this gives me more joy than doing anything else. So this is why I do what I do. Absolutely. And I think that that's the beauty of hopefully if you're working in your purpose and you're working on that journey is it shouldn't be draining. That doesn't mean you're not going to have hard days, Mm. but it shouldn't be draining all the time. It shouldn't be frustrating all the time. It should be pouring back into you, which you're pouring out into it. And you should be able to look back and say, hey, wow, I created something of value that made a difference and I got something from it as well. So that's just what I'm out here trying to do. And still, you know, have fun while I'm doing it. You touched on something which, you know, everyone says, finding your purpose. I think I stumbled across mine and mine was as a result of moving to a new country and not being able to find work. And this was the first thing that came to mind that I was passionate about, that I was willing to give of my time, which no one was willing to pay for at the time. I guess you've kind of touched on the fact that you take leaps, but did you find your purpose? Did you search for it? How did you arrive at this version? Yeah, I think personally for me, it was just an alignment of a lot of different factors coming together and being open to pay attention. And some of us are so busy running, we're so busy moving that we're not listening, we're not paying attention, we're not hearing what it is that is being told to us and that what's happening to us, right? So you might say, if you're in a job and all you do is think about all the things you don't like, that means you're probably not paying attention to the things that you do like, the things that you do excel at, the things that do bring you joy and looking for opportunities to kind of hone in on those type of things. So I think for me, 
definitely like mine just happened to hit a lot earlier than for other people. Mm-hmm. But it absolutely was just an alignment to say, how can I be of service? How can I be of value? And how can I use my skills mm-hmm. to create something great? And that's how we got here. I mean, in all honesty, like I of course love Shaley's Africa, but I think that the, the purpose will continue and will be bigger than SLA. And there's so many mm-hmm. ways that we can do the work that we're going to do. And so right mm-hmm. now, this is where I'm supposed to be at. But it, who knows that in 10 or 15 years, it could be a different manifestation of still the same purpose. Mm. It may just look different. Fantastic. Where do I find you for someone who is thinking of career, business, etc.? She Leads Africa is the perfect place, I think, to go in and dig through all of the content you guys put out. Would I be right in saying that? Absolutely. So anybody interested in just learning about what's happening on the continent, what are really smart young African women doing, and how can you plug in and learn and grow from that, join our community at shootiesafrica.org slash join. We also do have a private subscription community, which gives you access to uh, premium content, such as videos, podcasts, assignments, and a community. And you can access that on our website. Also on social media at Chile's Africa on all platforms. For me personally, I'm always like talking smack on social media. So if that interests you, you know, definitely come on through. And I am at Hello Afora on all channels. I must say, I do find your posts very, very enlightening for me in the day. Because sometimes, you know, your sense of humor to what can be sometimes a very lonely journey is quite refreshing. I enjoy your posts. Just before we end the episode, any advice for someone who is at this precipice going, hey, I know I've got some greatness in me, but I just don't know how to leap. Where do I begin? Any advice for them? So what I would tell someone is, first, it's like everybody is figuring it out. That's really important to remember. I promise you there is no one out there who has the perfect, 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 perfect plan. Even if they think it's perfect, they're still not sure. And so the idea about imposter mindset, imposter syndrome is fake. Like we have it, but we want you to understand that the idea and the concept is so fake because everybody is unsure and everyone's trying to figure it out. So like be calm in that and be still in that understanding. I think secondly, what I'd say is that Being good at something is really important, regardless of what it is and regardless of what industry that you want to be in. And so build your skills while you can. Build your skills in a corporate environment. Learn how to deliver. And that's really important is that you you have to be reliable. You have to be known as someone who can deliver because you're either going to be doing that for somebody else in a corporate space and building it on your reputation, or you're going to need to do that for yourself. And every single morning, wake up. And say, I'm going to deliver for myself. I'm going to deliver for the people who put faith in me. I'm going to deliver on the hard work that like people are investing in me. When someone gives you money, they're investing in you. It's like you have to be able to deliver. So you have to build that yourself. Nobody can do that for you. And it's not something that happens accidentally. No, it's you waking up, it's showing up, it's doing the work every day, it's being structured, it's being strategic, it's writing things down, it's practicing, it's improving. Right? That everyday work really is so important. And I say, thirdly, I say, find some friends who are also going through it. Mm. You know, when you're having a bad day, you need someone to talk to. You don't need someone who's going to cast out. You don't need someone who doesn't understand. You don't need someone who's going to, you know, say bad things. You need to find a community of people who are going to be like, you know what? I understand you're struggling, but you got it. Yeah. And those people are so invaluable and they're so important to you because as you continue and grow and improve yourself, 
your struggles are going to get bigger. They're going to get harder. And you need to really hold on to those relationships to keep you going. Fabulous. So the next Slay Festival is in Johannesburg when? Yes, March 7th. So we'd love to see everybody in the place. We're excited to finally bring this experience to South Africa. And we will also be hosting another Slay Festival in Nigeria as well. Nice. Well, Afiat, uh, ooh, before I go, this is something I do in every episode and I was about to forget. So <laughs> we're so used to our names being pronounced however people pronounce them. So how is your name said properly? So I absolutely agree with that, but I also don't agree with that. My name right, means born on Friday, mm-hmm. but in Ghana, there are many different ethnic groups who mm-hmm. also have the same name, but they spell it and pronounce it differently. So somebody pronouncing it differently is not necessarily disrespect. It could be that their people say it differently. So I'm always sure. like, very sensitive to that. And so like, and it's very funny because how I pronounced it growing up is different to how I pronounce it now because I live closer to Ghana. Like I'm with my people more, all those kind of things. I actually don't take offense to that. Oh, I don't take offense when somebody's being disrespectful and they don't try. Right. Mm. But for me, it's kind of like, it's like where you know me means you might pronounce it differently. And in all fairness, like my final point is both of my parents pronounce it differently because they both of their people actually say it differently. So it's like, we're all just confused up in here. We are all just confused and trying to figure it out. So I say, I say it for, but by yeah. promise you, my parents do not say it like that. So oh, it's wow. all good. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Third Culture Africans. In the show notes will be all the ways that you can get hold of Efua, whether that's She Leads Africa, Slave Festival, what's coming up. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love this concept. I think that the more that we can learn and grow from each other, the better. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll catch you next week on Third Culture Africans. Thank you for listening to this episode of Third Culture Africans, the Lifestyle Podcast. We would love to hear from you. So please find us on Facebook or Instagram at Third Culture Africans and leave us a comment. A review goes a long way in getting our show notice. So please leave us one if you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time.